Welcome to Glenboro, a town just 170 kilometers west of Winnipeg and home to about 1,500 people. The first time I visited Sarah was six years ago. At the time, I didn't really know a lot about Manitoba, but I was working with this guy who was an avid hiker, and he really opened my eyes up to how great and diverse our province is. So when he told me that there was this desert in Manitoba, I almost didn't believe him, and I was beyond excited to go explore it. I wasn't disappointed. Actually, each time I visit the area, I'm in awe of its beauty and its environmental contrast. One of the other really cool things I love about this park is that we're made up of a bunch of different biomes, like different ecosystems. We have mixed grass prairies, we have um, remnant boreal forests, we have upland deciduous forests, like they're combined together. We have um, wetlands, we've got rivers, we've got lakes, right, wow. all within here. And then we have like the sand dunes. So you have all these mixtures of different unique habitats and ecosystems, and so you get an abundance of different wildlife, as well as, you know, plants in this ecosystem that you wouldn't you know, necessarily see elsewhere in Manitoba because they kind of like interconnect and it's really unique. So that's why we have like certain species here that you're not going to see anywhere else in the province. And um, like the sand dunes, it's just, that's what's the really unique thing. They're just, it's just sand dune is what we call it. A sand dune, okay. Because mm -hmm. I remember too being up by the, what's that one trail by Devil's Punch Bowl? You go this way for Devil's Punch Bowl, the other way for that like- Oh, to the, the Oasis? Yeah. Mm. And you can look on that little thing and like one way you're looking for sand dunes and then the next way it's like completely forested. Mm -hmm. And then another way there's a completely different ecosystem and like yeah. all in like one little exactly. 360. Yeah, that's what I do. Is I, oh, you're thinking about the overlook. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, every time I do, it's so funny you say that. Every time I do the overlook with school groups or yeah. public groups or hikes, guided hikes, I stop up there. And that's exactly what I do because yeah. you're standing in what was once sand dune. So mm -hmm. that's the cool thing. I get them to like mentally peel back the layers and yeah. like just picture, take the trees out, take the shrubs out, take the grasses out. Yeah. What was here? What can you imagine? Because you're literally, you can see the dunes still. Underneath, yeah. Underneath. But then, yeah, you're right. You look in the distance, like there's sand dunes there. Here's a forest over here. Yeah. Here's a mixed grass prairie right here. Yeah. You look over here, there's like uh, Marsh's Lake, which is a, you know, a lake and a wetland is turning into wetland. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, and there's the river right across the way. It's, yeah. It's wild. Exactly. And where else in the world can you see, like, do a little turn and get a little yeah. bit of everything? It's so unique. It's wild. It's crazy that you mentioned that because that's exactly what I always say when I'm up there. Really? That's yeah. Jennifer Bryson. She's a senior park interpreter at Spruce Woods Provincial Park. We are sitting in the interpreter's office. The interpreter center is amazing there. It's full of poop samples, animal tracks, and a life-size mural, which allows you to see how tall you are next to a moose and other animals. It's super wicked. This is a story about an unlikely pair. Glenboro is located just outside of Spruce Woods Provincial Park, and that's where we find Sarah, a giant camel that stands proud on the corner of Highway 2, tucked in next to H&L Motors, a farm equipment supplier. To me, this is a wonderful contrast. A camel sitting next to a field of tractors? I love it. I'm Megan Kirtenson, and you're listening to Manitoba Landmarks. So we have 
a section in this park that we call the Spirit Sands. So okay. It's a trail system, okay. and it goes through the sand dunes and the desert-like area. It's not an actual desert. But that area we call the Spirit Sands because it's named after the Great Spirit, who is known as Kichi Manitou, and to the local indigenous peoples here. And so it has a lot of um, historical and cultural significance, and that's why it got the name the Spirit Sands, is because of the significance to the local indigenous peoples of that area, to the Great Spirit. And um, that's where it got its like moniker from. Jennifer said the area is home to the Ojibwe and Dakota people. Depending on who you talk to, and I spoke with um, the local historian, with the Swan Lake First Nation, he was saying like sand has a lot of different significance, like the slipping through time movement, the movement of sand, um, and that's where the Great Spirit resides. So during the times where um, the healers in the area, if they needed to gather medicine, they would travel to the Spirit Sands, and that's where they would gather medicines, and like no war was ever had within the Spirit Sands, so it was like a very uh, spiritual place to them. So, okay. I mean, if you think about it, like if you came back here, you know, hundreds of years ago, and you came across this out of nowhere sands yeah. just, you know, for kilometers, that would be, I think, quite a big shock, shock right? Yeah. You're just, this is amazing landscape, right? And it's right. It's gotta be special. As you drive along Highway 5, you start to see our prairie landscape change. The Cinnaboyne River winds through the park. And as you drive, notice when the mud and soil starts to turn into soft, white sand. It just fanned out, and like, it's just such soft, it's gorgeous yeah. sand, I know, right? It's yeah. like your, it's beautiful sand out here. So, um... But yeah, it's, um, it's the soft sand and it just, it's fanned out. Like that's why it covered such a large, you know, amount of uh, landscape because, right. you know, it's not like the heavier rocks, right? Right. Those settle and don't travel as far. So, and the wind, because we're... And then when that? it, yeah, when it drained and then, um, you know, the rebound, earth rebound, mm -hmm. and then it drained rapidly and then it's exposed and then... Yeah, and then the winds whip it up. We have a lot of strong prairie winds, right? right and those right. whip it up and those made the sand dunes. If you ever go onto Google Earth, mm -hmm. it's the coolest thing to really? go onto Google Earth. Yeah, because you can pull up all of the different um, like views and you can actually see the wind. Like it looks like waves. Really? Like this, the remaining sand dunes look like waves because you can see where the wind is. It's really cool. That's so cool. Okay, and we have a new punch bowl on there too that you can see. A new punch bowl? Yeah. We have a new punch bowl that's formed. Okay. And you can actually see the punch bowl. Like I'll show you after. It's okay. Cool. Okay. I'm super excited. <laughs> I love maps. <laughs> no, I'm a giant nerd. Yeah. So. No, <laughs> totally get it. Me too. <laughs> okay. So it's not a desert. Not a desert. Yeah. To be a desert, you have to have less than 250 millimeters of rain a year. Okay. Or like precipitation. Okay. And obviously in Manitoba, we get well over 500. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't actually qualify as a desert. Um, it's, we like to, you know, people are told desert-like. Okay. You know, quotations around <laughs> Desert-like, just because it looks like, you know, one. Right. But if you actually go out there, there's shrubs, there's plants, there's all sorts of different vegetation that's growing in this on the mm -hmm. sand dunes, so it's not an actual desert. And the sand dunes move, but they're becoming stabilized. So that's one thing too is a desert. You have these moving sand dunes that will shift with the wind. Okay. But when they become stabilized, they stop moving. Okay. And that happens with vegetation and then basically they become stabilized and then you'll notice the vegetation will take over completely and now you have like a grassy hill. 
So all of this that you see in the park was right. once sand dunes. Right, I read that. It was yeah. like quite a bit larger yeah, and it now it's grown huge. in. Yeah, like there's only about, what is it, like two to three kilometers, square kilometers left of like open sand dunes. Okay, and before and how it's long? it's shrinking. There was like, what was it, like 6,500? 6, yeah, 6,500 kilometers squared. Wow. Yeah. And that's how much is remaining. Is that agriculture or is that just our climate that's taking that So away? how it actually got here, when I, was, I always ask my students, like when I have kids out, yeah. how did they get here? And they're like, aliens, dump trucks. <laughs> no, those are cute. I like the ideas. But how it actually happened was through glaciation. So we had large glacier covering all of you know North America pretty much. And when it started to melt, we had these big glacial rivers that were carrying melting ice water mm. and this one that we had carried um, melting waters all the way from like what is now BC and come across the prairies and it carried like sand sediment rocks and with the melt you know like Agassiz started to form right, right. like Agassiz was right where we're standing in this area right so this river would carry all the sand and sediment when it hit the lake it would slow down and what would happen is it would start to deposit all of the sand and silt and would just released it and it basically created this large fan shape because every, you know, this river would come in, hit the lake, and then it would slowly deposit and deposit. And okay. Deposit like a big fan. Yeah. So then, like, Agassiz eventually um, drained, right. right? And so what was exposed was all of the sand at the bottom of the lake. Okay. And then the winds whipped it up and made them into big sand dunes. Okay. So that's where the sand originated from. That's okay. where you get it from is, is through the process of glaciation and the melting of the glaciers. One of the cool things about spruce woods is the diversity of plants and animals. I mean, they have snakes. They also have reptiles that shoot their tails off when trying to escape their prey. How awesome Here is nature? The snake and the, what is the skink that shoots its tail off? Is that what it is? <laughs> shoots its tail like a dart? No. <laughs> it's a northern prairie skink and they okay. drop it. Okay. Yeah. So those little guys are Manitoba's only lizard. Okay. And they're only found here. Okay. And they have like a little population here mm -hmm. and they have to like be able to live here because they hibernate and they have to burrow down beneath the sand okay and they have to have like that loose sandy soil in order to actually burrow deep enough right same thing with the hognose snake mm -hmm. um so both of them are unique and found here so both species at risk okay and right. um both because they have that kind of like um you know when you have like a, a smaller uh, habitat mm -hmm. you tend to have be more at risk right? right so it's the unique habitat we try and make sure that this habitat is protected, which is also one of the purposes of having provincial parks. Right. So this is unique protected land as well for those species so that okay. they can flourish and survive. So yeah, so the northern prairie skink, cute little guy. <laughs> um, they're like bright blue when they're babies. Oh, really? Yeah, That's little cute. juveniles. And then they grow up and they're about eight inches and they can drop their tail. And yeah. It'll wiggle for like up to 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's because that's like a distraction technique, mm -hmm. right? I remember learning yeah. that like probably eight years ago in here I was like what there's like a lizard that yeah drops a tail and I then it grows back with um we have Dr. Pamela Rutherford who's okay. like a skink um expert I call her a skinkologist it's my <laughs> invented word um but she's the wildlife biologist and she studies skinks and yeah they can drop portions of their tail she told me which mm -hmm. I think is like fascinating yeah and um it wiggles around for like about 20 minutes and then like the body the body the skink yeah runs away yeah and hides and then they'll regrow a tail and it takes about a year to regrow but oh, it's never wow. like the nice pointy tail it's like a little stubbier okay not as pretty i guess yeah. <laughs> in the skink world yeah um but yeah they can actually regenerate their tail that's so neat yeah i've gone on a hike and like just come across a tail wiggling on the oh, path. really? it's been really cool that's really neat 
And are, do you see them a lot out here then? No, they're elusive. Okay. They're very hard to see. Like skinks and hognose snakes, like western hognose, which is the other one, they're both pretty hard to find. Okay. Yeah, unless you know where to look. Right. 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 Um, we do a skink safari every year, and we take people out to like a certain location that we know of. Right. And we have boards down. And they like to hide underneath the boards during the day in the heat of the sun. And mm-hmm. so we can flip the boards and you can find them. Yeah. So we know kind of like where you can. But I mean, it's like if you come out here and you're just expecting to go on a hike and see them. Yeah. You probably won't. Unless right. Unless you actually know where to look. Right. And is it one of those things where you guys are kind of like <coughs> protecting them from mass amounts of people as well? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I mean, like it's not like we're not too concerned because they are pretty elusive. Yeah. So, I mean, if you do come across one, it's. They're you fine. Know, hognose snakes are the ones where I always try and encourage people because hognose snakes are really gentle. Like okay, like I, they're people see them and they think they make a cool pet. So you do come oh, across no. people that, you know, yeah, it's not common. Don't get me yeah. wrong or anything like that. But you know, it's always important to let people know like they have to live here and this is their right. habitat and they're not pets. Right. Because there are other hognoses that are oh they like are different species like a subspecies okay a different species of hognose that are pets really yeah but not obviously not ours our Western yeah hognose. yeah so because they burrow are they burrowing yeah. snakes too yeah they burrow and um they've got the little pig nose yeah hognose which is where they get it from and they burrow in the sand and then they surprise their prey and they catch seriously them. yeah whoa yeah, that's so they neat eat, um toads is their favorite okay and they have like rear-facing fangs okay and they pierce the toads because toads will like puff up with air when they're yeah. frightened and then they'll pierce them and then they, they deflate and they there's a theory going around I talked to another guy who's um, a herpetologist mm-hmm. and um, hognose snakes have like a mild toxin that basically paralyzes like the toad when they eat it yeah but there's a theory of is it the hognose that actually has the toxin or is it the fact that they're using the toad's toxin which is on their skin right against them so those. when they pierce it, it goes into them. Yeah. Oh. So I was like, well, that's interesting. That I learned that this summer. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, we have every single species of reptile is found in spruce woods. Really? Yeah, in Manitoba, I should say. <laughs> every <laughs> yeah. species of reptile in Manitoba is found in spruce woods. Interesting. You won't find that anywhere else in Manitoba. And how many are there? There's, um, we have, oh golly, we've got two different species of turtles. Mm-hmm. So we've got the western painted turtle and we've got snapping turtles. We've got five different species of snakes. Oh wow. Smooth greens, northern red bellies, um, western hognose, um, the uh, uh, garter snakes, the um, <laughs> red-sided mm-hmm. garter snake, and then the prairie garter snake. Wow. Um, but yeah, so every single species is found oh, here. That's cool. And then we've got a large repti- uh, amphibian population here as well. Okay. Variety. We actually got an Impara designation, which is an important area for reptiles and amphibians. Really? Yeah, a couple of years ago. So that was really neat. That's really cool. That's the importance that this park has. Right. So Protecting the amphibians and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you about the cactus. Mm. Oh yeah, that's another unique species yeah. that's down here. So we have two different species. We've got the pincushion cactus, mm-hmm. and we've got the prickly pear. Prickly okay. pear you can kind of see in other locations, too, in the province. It's not like it's only in here. Right. Um, but the pincushion cactus is unique in that it's found in this area, and it looks like little like balls, you know, like pincushions. Yeah. And they have this, like, bright, hot pink flower that blooms in June. Okay. And it's always, like, the prize for um, people who are, oh, my goodness, what is the word I'm looking for? Avid wildflower okay yeah 
Fun is hunter. People that love wildflowers. Okay. <laughs> That's the word I'm going to use. So those guys, they, they, they come out and they basically always want to know when are they blooming because they bloom for about two days, two, three days. Whoa. And then they're done. Okay. So like if you want to come out, I mean, if you're lucky, maybe it'll last a few more yeah. days, but like it's a pretty narrow window. Like mm-hmm. if you want to, like you got to get in that week or yeah. else like you're not going to see them. Yeah, and it has to have, like, nice hot sun for at least, what is it, like, three to five days before okay. it'll bloom, and then they'll bloom, and it's just gorgeous. Because then, when you're out on the dunes, or out, you know, in the park, and yeah. you, it, they like the sandier soil, so when you're out there, if you look, you can see, like, all these bright pink flowers, and you're like, oh, those are all cactuses. Like, you know, cacti yeah. there that you never could see because they blend in so well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you really, and that's the other reason, too, why we encourage people to stay on the trails. Yeah. Because you don't want to destroy any of the other vegetation that's right. like elsewhere but um yeah like they blend in so well but when it's the hot pink it's like well there's like 500 flowers wow. there's like so many cacti yeah it's really cool that makes sense so because when i was here i was like in like on search for a cactus yeah. and then i was like there's none where are they and then but that makes sense because they're so well hidden yeah if you know where they are like, yeah i know where they are now on the spirit sense so yeah. if you come i'll be like just go down here. This is where they all are. Or like, look to your left. They're right there. Right. Like, they're, yeah, there's certain little spots where they grow. And it's, right. it's really neat to, yeah. And so is that, that's one of the advantages then if you're going to come to a park. Mm-hmm. If participate in interpretive programming, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Get there the, are so many hidden gems. Like, and not even just... Like this park, yes, absolutely. Come to this park and do all of my interpretive programs. Yeah, absolutely. But in any park, like go in there and like look up and join in on like a guided hikes. Like you're gonna get knowledge, yeah, and information that you never would have had else, you know, elsewise. Like going by yourself, it's just, it's unique and different, and you can learn so many things that you never would have thought of. It's not just a mindless hike. It's something yeah, you're, you're engaged someone. in. It. Last summer, I worked for Parks Canada. Though Parks has a slightly dark history, I've always seen it as one of Canada's most valuable and celebrated accomplishments. I mean, you are what you protect. And the fact that we as a country value our environment and want to preserve it is something that I think we should be proud of. I talked with Jennifer a lot about how special Parks are and how people can get the most out of these special places. How many visitors do you guys usually get a year? Oh, golly. Tons. Um, I don't keep, I myself, I don't keep stats in terms of like the actual like vehicle numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't remember exactly how many it was. We can get that number for you though. But <clears throat> for like our interpretive programs, we get around like 15,000 people coming to interpretive events and programs in the park center and okay. different activities. Um, okay. So that's what we have just for like the interpretive activities. Wow. So that's. That's not speaking to people that are coming camping or just going for a hike. Yeah. That's, that's in the hundreds of thousands of people wow. that come out. So That's people, like, being engaged. Engaged in, in the interpretive programs, yeah. Wow. And how many interpretive programs do you guys run during the summer? Um, last summer we ran 240 programs. Oh, my God. So programs are days open. So that's okay. between having the park center open and offering programs throughout the summer. What's your favorite, like, places to go or, like, people, like, trails so that people can get a good view of the park and stuff like that for so i mean obviously there's the spirit sounds which if you're going to come to spruce woods you need to go through the spirit sounds yeah at least once to just experience that Mm -hmm. and try the trail system and you got to go to the punch bowl when you do it yeah and when you do it i highly recommend you go through the sand dunes first on the more northerly route and hit the sand hit the punch bowl and then come back through the mixed grass prairie because then you get to see 
the whole transition of landscapes, right? Okay. Um, so that's always a given. You gotta right. do that one. My little hidden gems that I love, well, not necessarily hidden if you're from here, but Isputna. Okay. It's, um, it's just right off of the park center here. It's in the day use area. It's like a short hike. It's like 45 minute, 30 minute walk. Okay. Often, but you hike up the edge of the ancient Assiniboine riverbank, which I think is so cool. It's like 30 meters from the bottom to the top. Yeah. You go through, um, like when you're on that trail, there's so many edibles that you can pick. Okay. And then you get to the top and there's just this stunning view. And you can see the sand dunes in the distance. You can see the wetland. You can actually see the banks. Like you can see one bank that you're standing on and you can yeah. see the other bank that's like, you know, a couple kilometers away. Yeah. Uh, and you can just like visualize what it used to look like, you oh, know, neat. when you'd have yeah. the river flowing through here. And um, and then when you're up there and you come back down and again, there's like the springs there. So that one is, and then the reverse, which you call it the reverse of the Espuna, I think is the Spring Ridge Trail. Okay. Because you go down, mm -hmm. and then you go basically along by where the Assiniboine River is, and you get to see a bunch of springs in action down there. It's a beautiful hike, and then you come back up. Okay. So those are two um, shorter trails, but they're beautiful. Just, right. I just love them. Um, the Hog's Back is a nice, unique location to go see. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And then we have like the amazing backcountry trails. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different, you know, long hiking trails that you can go on. Okay. Um, Epinette is quite popular, Seton and Yellow Quill. But okay. I think Parsons is another little hidden one that we just opened up for year round use. Okay. So you can hike there in the summer or the winter. Okay. Snowshoe or whichever you want to do. And it's a beautiful little one. It goes along the edge of Marsh's Lake. And okay. Beautiful little viewpoint there. There's nice. an old little punch bowl in there too. Oh, really? Really old little one, yeah. Thanks for listening to Manitoba Landmarks. I'd love to hear from you. Do you have an interesting story about one of the places featured here? Or have one that should be on our list? Then send us a message on social media or email manitobalandmarks at gmail.com. Music for the show is by Manny Gosen. There are links to his Spotify page on the show website. Until next time, keep exploring. <laughs>